This is the Journal of Ecology podcast. I'm Scott Chamberlain. Haldra Rogers is a Huxley Fellow at Rice University and is a tropical ecologist. I caught up with her to chat about a session she organized at ESA in August this year titled, What is the Fate of a Forest Without Vertebrate Frugivores? Merging Case Studies with Theory. Hi, I'm Haldra Rogers. I am a Huxley Fellow at Rice University. And what is your research area? I am a tropical forest community ecologist. So you organized a, a special session here at ESA. Um, what was it about and, and why do you think it was needed? The session I organized was um, titled, What is the Fate of a Forest Without Vertebrate Frugivores? Uh, we tried to get together people who work in forests around the world that have lost frugivores, as well as theoreticians that think about the impact of frugivore loss on, or sea dispersal loss on forests. So the, the reason we tried to get all these people together is it seems like there's a lot of case studies, um, but very little synthesis so far, and little application of um, theory so to this kind of real-world conservation problem. So we're trying to get the conversation going and uh, at least people connected and it seemed like a symposium was a good way to start that. Mm -hmm. So could you highlight, um, I know there were many talks, but if you could highlight, you know, some of the, the work discussed in the, in the session and then, and then we'll sort of talk about your own work. We had several empirical talks about the loss of dispersers uh, in systems around the world. In Mexico, Kathy Stoner um, talked about losing monkeys from um, fragments, uh, fragments of forest and compared those fragments to fragments with monkeys and then a uh, continuous forest area. And uh, Don Drake talked about losing fruit bats from Tonga and um, native, uh, all sorts of native frugivores from Hawaii. Uh, Andrea Luesa talked about losing um, uh, dispersers for this shrub in the Atacama Desert in Chile. And uh, then I highlighted uh, the impact of complete bird loss on the forests of Guam. So in all of these situations, uh, uh, we looked at the impact of um, the frugivore loss on plants. Interestingly, there, uh, in some situations, it was really terrible and stark, as you might expect. And I think probably the starkest example of that is my own research in Guam, where the loss of all forest birds was caused by the invasive brown tree snake. And so the forests are completely silent. And the... Um, what, we, what I've found so far is without frugivores, without all these seed-dispersing birds and bats that used to be there, seeds literally just fall straight down beneath the tree. There's no dispersal whatsoever for about 70 to 90 percent of the trees in the forest um, mm -hmm. that are that are vertebrate dispersed. Mm -hmm. um, and so that will have implications on, for um, germination. A lot of seeds don't germinate as well when they don't get handled by birds. Um, it can affect uh, um, well, the spatial pattern of all of the tree of the trees in the long run it affects how any tree that needs a highlight area may not be able to get to those um, like tree fall gap areas that are that have highlight um, conditions, and then also uh, colonization of new areas. So species that um, if there's degraded forest, native seeds are not going to be able to get out there and regenerate mm -hmm. those new areas. So it seems like a very stark condition and yeah. situation in that um, place. However, there's a kind of interestingly positive news from some of these other studies where either um, species that you didn't think were doing something mm -hmm. good, like rodents, which are usually thought of as seed dispersers in the um, study in the Atacama Desert, 
were found to actually, they're usually thought of as seed predators. They were found to actually be dispersing the seeds. They often did not eat the um, embryo and this little mm. particle of the seed, the little bit of the seed that was left, um, still uh, germinated. So um, that was a promising um, result from there. And Don Drake talked about the role of non-natives that are acting as dispersers now instead of the native species. Um, so there's kind of a, a, a thread of resilience around there. Same thing with Kathy Stoner, they found that monkeys didn't, the presence or absence of monkeys couldn't really, um, didn't really affect the advanced regeneration mm. of plants, um, the species of seedlings and saplings that were present. Interesting. So you mentioned a little bit about your own study. Um, what, like, what was the history of that? Um, like, what caused that to happen? The uh, complete loss of, of birds. So the um, brown tree snake was introduced to the island of Guam in the mid 1940s, and it was accidentally introduced. Um, but it spread from Guam, or spread throughout the entire island over the next 25 years. And meanwhile, as it was spreading, people were noticing birds were um, declining or being lost. And the um, so, but no one put two and two together until about the mid-1980s, and that, that was the point where Julie Savage realized, um, she was a PhD student, she realized that the snakes were what was eating the birds. Unfortunately, at that point, the birds were essentially gone, so they caught the last few birds of the last two species that they could, <laughs> put them into captive breeding programs, and now um, 10 of the 12 native forest birds are gone from the wild. Hmm. Um, so, so what was it about the brown tree snake um, that, I mean, what, what, if it was a different snake, it would it have had that effect? Is there something special you, you about know, it? I don't think so. I, it, it is, it's a particularly, um, well, I mean, I, I think that there's lots of snakes that probably could have had that effect. Mm -hmm. The brown tree snake is nocturnal, um, and the, these birds didn't have a nocturnal predator, mm. but they didn't really have a diurnal predator either, so <laughs> they, they lived on an oceanic island with yeah. a really safe life. Um, mm -hmm. They've been dealing with rats, but aside from that, not not much else. Um, and the snake is a very is a generalist, so maybe mm -hmm. any generalist um, predator, mm -hmm. uh, uh, predatory snake could um, do that. But uh, it, it just happened to be the one that got there and um, it took over the island. Yeah. And so they can they can eat ground nesting bird. I assume they're eating the eggs, not the adults. Some of the adults for the small birds, because the birds line up on the trees at night and sleep oh. like one next to another and you can reach up and grab them sometimes like they are so naive they don't realize yeah. that there's anything out to get okay. them and so um so the small birds they would eat and then the large birds would see the eggs of so I, I talked about the empirical studies but um, we also were trying to merge some of the theory and modeling with um, and use that as a way of predicting the impact of disperser loss. So Noel Beckman gave a talk on how dispersal dispersers may be able to help um, seeds escape natural enemies, and it was a model that she's working on to start modeling a, a, um, a system with a seed dispersal for um, either dispersers present or dispersers absent, and then looking at how that changes overall um, species diversity and abundance. Mm -hmm. So that was a, a useful, the beginning's a really useful model there, I think. And Matteo Detto uh, presented a new way of using point pattern analysis to look at dispersal disruption. So if you know where all the trees are, and, and um, it, I think it's a, a moment analysis of the point patterns, you can start mm -hmm. to understand um, how a system with or without dispersers might have different point patterns of trees. Mm -hmm. So those are both uh, really interesting and promising 
methods for understanding better what happens and what happens with dispersor loss. It sounds like um, there's lots of lots of uh, studies going on at your site in Guam. Like mm -hmm. what? Um, can you sort of describe some of the overall general effects that uh, the, the snakes have had on birds? Um, like, could you talk about a specific paper and what what was the result? Sure. The so the one of the um, a recent paper that we had come out in Plus One just looks at seed rain in degraded forests adjacent mm -hmm. to native forest. And we, this is actually an undergraduate REU project. They put up uh, seed traps in native and, and degraded forest um, at, along a transect and Guam, which has no uh, frugivores anymore, and then on the island of Saipan, just a couple islands north of Guam, and compared seed rain over a month in those seed traps mm -hmm. and found on islands with birds, the seed traps received not a lot of seeds, but something like um, one and a half or two seeds a month in per square meter mm -hmm. on average. So, you know, that's like at least some seed grain of native seeds in the degraded forest. On Guam, there were zero seeds, mm -hmm. which is not a surprising result. Yeah. It's one of those stark things. Of course, there's no seeds. There's no yeah. way they can get there. But just to be able to understand the magnitude of that difference is, right. was really useful. So that was a recent study. We're now starting on a new project, that, um, a new grant that uh, we got this year. Um, I went out there for the last two months to set that up, which looks at the, the role of birds in maintaining tree fall gap dynamics. Okay. Um, what the hypothesis that we're testing is that uh, vertebrate dispersers are important for moving seeds either to tree fall gaps after they're created or, or at least before they're created so that they're in the seed bank. At some point, that the process of moving seeds around mm -hmm. means that there are seeds or seedlings present so that when a tree falls, um, those there's a variety of seeds that could potentially grow and fill up that gap. Mm -hmm. And the most important ones in kind of normal tree fall gap processes would be the quick growing pioneer trees. Those usually come up first and then you have other ones that will come up underneath. But what we hypothesize has happened when you take away dispersal, you just don't have a seed bank or seeds that will come in afterwards. All you have are the seeds from the trees directly around the gap. Mm -hmm. And those are more likely to be very slow growing species. Mm -hmm. And so the implications of that are that you have slow growing species that take a long time to grow up and fill the gap, making mm -hmm. that gap stay open for a lot longer time and overall making more gaps in the landscape. This is consistent with our observations from the forest that show there's um, much, much um, lower abundance of pioneer trees in, mm -hmm. the, in our plots. And um, two to four times as many gaps in the forest on Guam. So it's mm -hmm. a very open gap or open forest now compared to other islands with very few pioneers. Mm. And there are very few uh, wind dispersed species? We have no wind dispersed species. Well, no, so and that's go. a challenge. So I think if there were, mm -hmm. as in other systems around the world, mm -hmm. if you do have wind dispersed, they increase in abundance yeah. when you lose dispersers. But without wind dispersed species, yeah, yeah. you just get a change in forest structure. Right. So I, I assume that. Um, so are all the snakes gone? No, unfortunately, oh, okay. there's still about one to two million on the island. Oh. And there's no real good way. We don't have a way of eradicating them. We can control them in, in mm. um, controlled areas yeah. so, or in, in limited areas. So, so like, even if you wanted to reintroduce birds, it, it might not be worth it. The only way we could do that is if we had snake fences mm. that you kept snakes out of, and then we could reintroduce birds in those fences. Mm. And um, I, I, I think that that's 
possible, but there's still a lot of um, legwork that would have mm -hmm. to be done in order to figure out if that would work and for which species that would work. Is so, given that like they've eaten all the birds, it seems like potentially there could be some population crash of these. There states. probably was. So they probably oh. had even more in the 80s back when they had birds, oh, okay. and then it crashed. But then stabilized at uh, you know one to two million or so since somewhere in the 90s. So what are they eating now? Rodents and introduced okay. rats, mice, and shrews, and or small mammals at least, and um, uh, lizards, both okay. introduced and native um, skinks and geckos. How general do you think your mm. situation is on Guam to all those other situations? Like, what you're finding, does that apply to these other places since you have such an extreme sort of loss mm. of dispersers? That's a good question. I think some aspects of it are general. When you lose dispersers from a tree, seeds are going to go nowhere. So at least on some species that have lost their dispersers, you will have this change in spatial pattern of the seed. So I think that's probably a general um, result. The, um, however, there's some things that are unique to the system because it is so extreme. In most systems around the world, the first frugivores to go are the large-bodied frugivores. So people lose, uh, the systems lose monkeys and hornbills and um, or lemurs and like all these large-body frugivores that eat large seeds. And so in other systems around the world, the um, most of the studies so far have, looked, have seen a decrease in large-seeded tree species as a result of frugivore loss. Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't seen that because we've lost all frugivores. <laughs> and so the large-seeded, large small-seeded, all of them are equally affected by this loss. And instead, we found this change in gap dynamics, which is, I think, would happen in any system that lost its small um, frugivores and didn't have wind-dispersed species. So, um, but uh, that hasn't happened in most places because people don't shoot the really little birds that right. are those small frugivores. So like, some things are unique, some things are, are generalizable. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It's kind of a worst-case scenario. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. We have been speaking with Haldra Rogers for the Journal of Ecology podcast. I'm Scott Chamberlain.